Hello, and welcome to the Marysville Journal-Tribune podcast. This episode is brought to you by Axiona Energia, proudly bringing solar power to Union County and the Buckeye State. My name is Michael Williamson, and I'm here today with... Mac Cordell, reporter. Chad Williamson, managing editor. And Kayleen Petrovia, reporter. All right, so on this week's episode, we are going to talk about uh, this past election, which uh, happened last Tuesday. It is last Tuesday, yes. Um, and had kind of a, a variety of things happen. There were some things that I think were predictable going into it, and then actually quite a bit of stuff that were that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, stuff getting uh, voted out, people getting voted out, um, newcomers coming in, and kind of all kinds of stuff to uh, to talk about. So we're going to go through uh, a handful of things that um, kind of. Uh, you know, affected the area countywide, uh, I believe, starting with some of the stuff in Marysville, which are things that we have, you know, talked about a number of times, but obviously they're now a little more set in stone. I think across, if you look across the county, the people, the idea was that people just weren't happy. That That's what I, right. there's a lot of different things happening, but there's a common theme. I don't think, it, I mean, Marysville was pretty easy to see, but mm-hmm. I think if you looked across the county, people, there's just displeasure. There were, yeah. You know, some renewals voted down, some incumbents voted out. You know, I think where people felt the opportunity to vote for a change, I think a lot of times they did. And uh, with the growth and everything, I mean, I think that's the the stuff that I heard the most was, you know, a reaction to growth and the money that comes with growth and all that kind of stuff. And this is certainly the an election where new money and stuff like that is not <laughs> something people aren't really fans of. Yeah. And unfortunately, though, I think a lot of times maybe some – not to let them completely off the hook, but sometimes incumbents are just going to, they're going right. to take a black eye on that. Like sure. sometimes down there in Jerome, it's, it's rough to stop. I mean, as Kayleen saw the last time referendums came through, they tried to stop them with referendums and it still blew up in their it face. So sometimes, you know, there's just nothing to be done right. um, in terms of, of certain kinds of growth. So, but yeah, Marysville, I think was the, that was kind of ground zero for, uh, voter sentiment right right um the the referendum in the city for the i guess before i get started i will say uh i recently had a pair of procedures or pair you know oral surgeries whatever and so my mouth is swollen and i am all over the place um you're pretty whistly i'm pretty yeah, i'm real whistly today so, Mark is living um, off of Free frosties and juice. Yeah. Right. That yeah. Sound like you got a cane pole in the creek and a grandchild on your lap. I know. I, I get it. Uh, like the sound like, from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> before we sound like monsters too, we we did uh, delay recording this a day so and I, to try to let you heal a little yeah, bit. And quite honestly, that. we wouldn't if we could. We were going to try to work around it, but with this Marysville part being so important, right. And you're being the yeah. person that covers yeah. it. Matt covered it for it, a it was year. gonna be rough to, to do with <laughs> without old old whistling paw paw. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it really is kind of the, the centerpiece of, of the voter anger yeah. or voter sentiment. Yeah. Sure. Um the referendum was people voted against the referendum in huge numbers. Um two thirds of, of the community voted against it. Um it's weird to say that it was it was almost a feel good vote, even though it was an an oppositional vote. Yeah. But it was the easy feel good vote for people. If yep. if you didn't like congestion, if you didn't like extra people in town, if you didn't like 
the roads being torn up. Yep. Change. If there right. was anything in there, you could just vote on if this. Kroger or, was, oh, if Kroger was too crowded. Yes. You know, I mean, it really yes. was. There, were, there was no orange juice on the shelves. Right. All these new people. All these new people. You, yep. You just voted. This, and, that's the way it felt to me is that it was just. Again, it, the, the vote was to, to overturn a city decision um, more than a year ago that was made that would have annexed and rezoned about 265 acres out on 245, cleared the way for about 600 homes. Um, and you were right. It was pretty much anything that that you may be angry about and could be attributed to too many people, people voted against it. And I've said this. I don't think the city did themselves any favors by closing down, by having Elwood closed, by having 4th yeah. Street closed, by having there 33 was a lot backed going. up. You know, and it was all... The all summer, even up at, well, late summer, even up the lead up, there were just a million things to remind you of it. Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, whether it's Elwood, whether it's the roundabout out on uh, 31, yep. you know, just yeah. the various things that cause the main inter- the main thoroughfares in town to get backed up. You, you know, with, with 4th Street closed because of the, the bridge, what, the week before the election, the referendum vote was a little bit closer in the city than it was outside the city, but it wasn't even close. It was, there was only one precinct where it was within 10%. No, I didn't even look at the precinct. Yeah, my I, precinct I looked at it because the, I looked at the precinct, it was so blown up, I didn't figure there was any story to be told. Yeah, and I think there were only four precincts where it was within probably 15%. It, it, was, it was a landslide everywhere. But as you said, the city didn't do themselves any favor with some of the quote-unquote development-related kind of snafus right. around town. But they also didn't really take their their message to the voters. Like, and, I thought they would do something, and they you know, say to they try did. to... They would say they did. They, they would say, well, we had a speaker series. Well, we had... Um, you know, we, we told people that we were... We really weren't growing that fast. And to a large degree, what it was was telling people, hey, you're wrong in feeling this way. You know, hey, if you feel like we're growing too fast, we're not. Instead of acknowledging, hey, we hear what you're saying and um, we're going to try to, you know, answer you. We're going to try to do something to slow it down in the future. We're going to make, you know, development pay for itself better in the future. It was always just, eh, we're not really growing that fast. I I think even if they had, and I don't, this may not be feasible, but even if they had targets, you know what I mean? Like, we're trying to limit this to four hundred houses a year, right. or right. something. Something you know, people can hang on. Just to. some type of marker, because it just feels like even whatever falls to, out of the sky just goes. Gets approved, yeah. Even down to whatever a week before the election, they had made a big deal about the groundbreaking on the the vision development, which was, hey, we're going to put this, you know, tax abatement TIF. That's on the old Kroger. The old Kroger building, yeah. We're going to put a TIF on this property that's going to bring in a bunch of new apartments, and the school's going to get no money from it, and we're going to bring a bunch of new people yeah. in, and all those things you're mad about, hey, we're still doing them. Well, and you've talked about before, Mac, and the city does have a, a little bit better of a story to tell insofar as with all the growth happening in, you know, obviously down in Jerome and even in Marysville on the east side and north side in um, the Mill Valley area and whatnot, this was an opportunity to, you know, have it out west, you know, the west of the right. city rather than the kind of the same spots we keep seeing. And so that could have been, you know, part of the narrative that was and, a little harder. And of some of the ones, and I know they did tell people this, but of 
a lot of the developments, you know, the idea of making it pay for itself, this one was probably ponying up more money for infrastructure improvements than any other project Absolutely right, that's making people upset. Absolutely it was. This was this was the kind of development that we should have been doing all along, I think. Um but it but just it came city. along at the right time. It just right. seems right. like it was a breaking point. It and wasn't he, about this specific mm-hmm. development. It was just that's we're right. sick of all of this. It also hit it was the first one to kind of even though like if you want kind of even growth around the city, this is the first one that really hit out on that end of town with significant rooftops and I always talk about that part that side of town kind of being old Marysville and I think that's who kind of got motivated for the referendum. That's mm-hmm. who did the legwork to find out how to do it yeah. and, and have the meetings and things like that. You had people whose property taxes had just gone up. Their property values had just gone up. You had, you know, they were sick and tired of all the congestion, sick and tired of – they. it feels like a lot of people recently just found out about kind of the TIFFs and, or figured out, hey, how much the city is growing and what, what that growth is doing maybe to the schools. It just was – happened at the wrong time it was the you know the wrong development at the time and if if i had been a city official you would not have been able to shut me up about all of the all of the benefits that this particular development was going to bring there may be developments that you want to referendum but this one isn't the one like it's going to bring it's going to fix problems it didn't cause but there was such a groundswell, you know, and I think this city kind of knew that that it was yeah. fighting an uphill battle. That well, you win. just did that story. It will be out by the time the podcast comes out about the thoroughfare. The city's mm-hmm. looking at like a thoroughfare planning, and then we also just heard today that the roundabout on thirty one is going to be opening. And I think it may be open already. I think it's probably open right now. And even though that's not kind of a downtown, that's not a how that in my mind how that thirty one roundabout operates whether people like it or don't like it is going to con- just continue on if, if people don't like that 31 roundabout you know just for whatever reason um they're going to say well you know this is just another product of growth it brings in these things mm-hmm. right now if the roundabout works if people go you know what that actually does facilitate the movement of traffic better you know I don't have to sit and wait at a light for 10 minutes. I don't get backed up. You know, it, it keeps things moving. I didn't like it at first, but actually, once they got it in, I kind of like it. If that's the sentiment out there, then they know the one's coming at five points and maybe other places, and they start thinking, okay, maybe roundabouts will kind of help this traffic congestion, these backup points we've got in the city, you know, at, and help kind of Marysville kind of, get past that one because that's a big argument Mm -hmm. people are making is about this congestion which i think anybody that probably sits in actual gridlock in columbus or whatever is like yeah that's not congestion but it is used to in the area right absolutely and and it it, even so it's frustrating because in columbus you account listen it's going to take me half hour to get but it should not take the you know four and five light cycles down the street yeah to get down the street um i think you are correct but maybe have missed the one point of I think the people who are going to continue to not like that roundabout will never actually use it. We'll avoid it. Yep. Yeah, exactly my mother's right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, a, in a good spot to avoid too. So yeah, that's, that's yes. exactly. You can kind of five yeah. points is going to be a lot more difficult to avoid. Right? And and they won't care because the people 
a lot of the people with that sentiment will say, well, good, keep those roundabouts out by all those newcomers. Right. You know, keep them out the of people that have only been here 20 years. Right. <laughs> um, and so what did the referendum do? <laughs> like a mighty anchor being thrown over a boat absolutely. and a chain wraps around the deckhand's leg. The <laughs> um, It yanked city council off the, off the dais also. Um, there were four city council members up. Uh, Aaron Carpenter in Ward 1, uh, Alan Seymour in Ward 2, Deborah Grote in Ward 3, and Donald Berger in Ward 4. And the only one that won his seat back was Donald Berger. And Donald Berger won quite handily, um, but his main platform was, I voted with you. I voted against all of this stuff. Go look at my voting record. I'm the only one on council that voted against it. And, you know, to a large degree, he, him and, and Hank Burby were the two kind of dissenting votes on all of these projects. So, Berger's in his, what, 30s? And I would argue he's the oldest member of council. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, the things not, he, the, the the things he champions. I'm not 100% sure he's in his 30s. He may <laughs> the, be in his 20s. I don't know. The things he champions really appeal to older, longtime residents, you know? Yeah. It's kind of an anti growth platform. Let's fix up the old things here and keep exactly what we've got exactly as it is. Um, or the way we wish it had been. You know, so, yes. So that appeals, you know, yeah, that and appeals he won, to a certain. And he boy, won if there 77%. Was ever, if there was ever a time to come out and have that platform. Ab- absolutely. You know, the. This was the boy, right election yeah. to do it. And, and boy, he took it to people too. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in my ward and he was out. I'm, I told, I texted you guys that the day yard, that the suggested start date for yard signs to go out, mm-hmm. they <laughs> popped up like mushrooms. You know, just you would have thought they were on a time release. Like, right. I mean, they the, when I left my house that day, they were just everywhere. Yeah, and, and he was going, like I said, he was going door to door. I think he came to my house four or so different times. He, he was all over the place. Like, oh, and I don't know how he had time to earn a paycheck because it seemed right. like he was just campaigning like a right. Like a senator or something. Um, now, I will say the Aaron Carpenter, that vote is a little too close to call still. Um, Aaron Carpenter lost to or appears to have lost to a writing candidate in Stephen Wolf. And Stephen Wolf has about 15 more votes right now than Aaron Carpenter does. We're looking at about 2,000 votes. And... Stephen Wolf has about 15 more than Aaron Carpenter has right now, and there are about 28 provisionals that still need approved and then potentially counted. So it it, it would be an uphill fight uh, for Aaron to to win that seat back. Uh, but you know, with provisionals, I would guess that the write-in vote is lower on provisionals, but I don't know for sure. I don't know um, because I was trying to think about this when it happened, but. It seems like the extended voting now might almost make it better for a writing candidate. Whereas in the old days, you went in there and one day, you stood maybe you stood in line, maybe you waited, maybe you did whatever, and you get in there and you're messing with a bunch of other things and you're like, Oh, there was a write in guy. Mm-hmm. What was his name? Because you've got to know his name to write it down. Whereas almost I'm thinking if you see something on social media or whatever and you go and do early voting, or maybe even you do a provisional, like, it seems like that might benefit a writing candidate, um, where it can strike you at a moment, at yeah, that, and uh, just go in and do it. I don't know. 
I understand but what it, you're saying. I have no idea. I've never seen a writing candidate close. Close. Yeah. I've never seen a writing. Certainly, never seen a writing candidate win when there was opposition. I saw a, a race once where there was only a writing candidate. Like nobody mm, filed, sure. and then you had a writing. There was one over in Champaign or Logan County. Remember, I told you guys about that yeah. four or six years ago. And it was like a pretty prominent farmer, I think. And he had a lot of money and he mm-hmm. put up a lot of signs and billboards. And I never did follow up to see how that turned out. But that's the only like legitimate, like serious, serious uh, writing candidate, writing candidate candidacy I've ever seen. Yeah, I've never seen it. So I I have no idea whether early voting does or doesn't help. Said, I've never seen one win, so. Compared to his first time when he got elected, he did not do much campaigning. No. And that, that's he exactly He seemed less than motivated. While... While this seat is up for grabs still, Aaron seems very content with, hey, if I've lost it, I'm okay with that. And I think he also sees kind of this tide of everybody getting washed out. You know, he's smart enough. He's politically savvy enough to realize, hey, even if I won, I did not get a mandate. I did not – this was not the city overwhelmingly saying we love Aaron. Um I don't think it was the city saying overwhelmingly we don't like Aaron either. I think it was we don't like anybody right now. Yeah, um, yeah. He kind of came in on a wave of change mm-hmm. out there when they, you know, like I said, he was he was a different candidate when he was elected. And honestly, his first two years in office, he was a different council member than he yeah. was probably yep. the last two years. He kind of calmed down. I think he got a little bit frustrated that he realized it's hard for one voice on that council to do much, right? Yeah, kind of backtracks a little. It is interesting to see now what you know having three new ones on council is going to do because if they decide, hey, we want to vote together and we want to do things together, they could have a real, they could be a real force and could actually change. Um, you have any idea how how they align, ideal wise, um, or I think they are all slow growth anyway. Some of them feel slower growth, um, but they all feel, hey, we need to dial this back. So then they align with Donald. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah I, don't, I don't know that any of them are as hard no as Donald was. And, and Donald will say he's not hard no, but, you know, in covering council for, I don't know, seven years, six years, whatever, you know, that's – he's been a hard no on almost everything kind of development-wise. Um so they're not that far. I don't. I don't believe. But we'll see. You know, well, the pudding will be. If, if nothing else, people are going to have to work for it now. Mm-hmm. You know, like developers are going to have to bring their A game if they come into town. If these guys do fall in right. line like that, with with Donald already on there, kind of in that mindset, and Hank kind of a yeah, Hank, kind of a teeter totter vote maybe. He, yeah, I think that's fair to say. You know, Hank doesn't. Hank's not an easy an easy yes vote um, yeah. on development. So. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that works then. Like we've had kind of the open door for for a few years. Yeah. We'll see how it works when, you know, when I think there was a little bit of fear that if this referendum works, there will be more of them. As I look at it, I'm not sure there will be because I'm not sure there'll be a need for them. Right. I don't, you know, I don't think that the council is going to vote through, um, projects that may be aren't as popular or maybe shouldn't go through. You'll see what that does. If if new housing doesn't come into the area, you know, as much as, you know, 
sometimes I'm not wild about the growth, but I understand if we're going to have any chance to kind of lower housing prices mm-hmm. around here, there's going to have to be more options. The problem is every option that comes in is still an expensive house. It's still not really anything affordable for a lot of families. So, you know, the, I, would, know the, I, think I would not anticipate that changing. Yeah, I I get that. The only thing that's helping maybe is interest rates. Like I've, I've said that several times. Yeah. That if the interest rates kind of offset those high prices, it will make people not have as much available but, for but, asking price because they've got to factor it in for interest. Potentially that will bump up, though, the prices of – if of people will, if they can't get into a, a new home because the interest rates are too high, you have more people renting, and potentially maybe you, you bump up the interest, the the asking price for rent. So maybe, yeah. I don't know what that does to a house price. I don't know. I, I don't wasn't know. Wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> you see why cities like New York City go to like rent control apartments mm-hmm. and things like that. When you start, it's just a tiny, tiny town in that regard. But you can't. Right. Well, anyway, I guess that's not election related. No. That's, that's a bigger picture idea. <laughs> it oh, definitely, we'll oh, it definitely something. is election related. But it, yeah, <laughs> you guys want to go on to Jerome? Jerome's another area that had a had a pretty interesting uh, election night. Yeah, um, I guess kind of similar to Marysville, Jerome had candidates on the ballot and also an issue on the ballot. Um, Voters were able to decide on whether or not Jerome Township would implement limited home rule, and that also failed huge, <laughs> as Max said, about the referendum. Um, almost 74% of people voted no on limited home that is rule. Huge. Um, so limited home rule essentially is an expanded form of government for townships that was approved by the Ohio legislature to help townships that were struggling with growth. So it would have allowed Jerome Township extra authority and powers on certain things, such as they are required to have their own police force. Now, they could still contract with another agency like they do with Union County Sheriff's Office, but they could run it themselves. They could be their own water and sewer provider. Even though they have those services through Marysville, they could take it on themselves. Mm. People have probably seen townships down in Columbus where – there's like a township police force. I think around Dublin, there's one, right? I think um, so. I can't remember. Is it Washington? Washington. They've got their own fire department. Uh, but, but I don't. But anyway, I'm sure when people see that's how township police departments, some places in Columbus, like came to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so the trustees had said on both of those issues that they intended to continue the partnerships they had in place, at least for the time being. Um, They wanted to continue to work with the Union County Sheriff's Office through their public safety officer program, and they wanted to continue working with the city of Marysville for water and sewer services. But there were other powers that they said they would likely take advantage of. Um, During an open house meeting regarding limited home rule, all three of the trustees currently on the board said that they would prioritize hiring their own township engineer to help with some of the infrastructure problems that Jerome Township is facing. Um, They clarified that this doesn't necessarily mean that they would isolate themselves from the engineer, the Union County engineer's office. In fact, all the projects still have to go before his office for approval. But their argument was that if they had a person that was helping kind of lay the groundwork for the things that they see as priorities in Jerome Township, the things that they hear from residents are a strain on them, then they could expedite some of these projects. Um, 
so that was one of their main priorities. Another one of the things that they had brought up was, um, I guess, their hands more in control of tax abatements and other incentives. So town statutory townships, which Jerome Township currently was and continues to be since the limited home rule vote failed, can implement TIFs or tax increment financing districts, but statutory townships cannot do community reinvestment area abatements. Limited home rule townships can do that. So that was something that the township's legal counsel has hired had highlighted as a perk of approving limited home rule. There's really a, a wide variety of things they could have done, even things like um, like social benefit programs, like using township money to help individuals who need help with their heating and cooling bills, mm. even things like that. So they had touted a lot of different things that they said limited home rule would allow them to do, but hiring an engineer was the one thing that was really emphasized, especially because infrastructure is something that's just talked about again and again right. in an area that's growing as quickly as Jerome. But and the ability to do the abatements would have offered them the funding vehicle to get some of those projects mm -hmm. underway. To, to pay for an engineer. Yeah. Right. And they had said that they feel um, money generated by the TIFs would allow them to hire an engineer mm -hmm. so it wouldn't be um, using taxpayer dollars in a sense to just hire right. um another staff member I so mean, they tips and marysville generate millions of dollars mm -hmm. i mean i would assume we we just saw earlier this week what the biggest costco or costco the biggest uh kroger kroger yeah mm -hmm. uh marketplace is going down there like i would assume like there's a potential those tips could generate millions right. and millions of dollars right you know, and as far as financial concerns um, the township's fiscal officer, Robert Caldwell, said that he really had no concerns financially about limited home rule, that his budget for 2024 wasn't going to change, mm -hmm. depending on what type of government they were operating under. Um, and Robert's he, about as sharp a uh, fiscal officer as there is in the, in the, probably in the state. Yeah, Robert is someone that the trustees always go to for advice. They really value his opinion. Even if they don't agree with each other, they listen to Robert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even if they have different perspectives, I think they've really taken into consideration his perspective and his opinion on things. So he he had offered that as far as financial reasoning. He even said that he felt um, one of the requirements is that they would need their own legal counsel, essentially. They would need kind of a law director of sorts. I forget what the title under mm. limited home rule is. Um, right now, they just contract with Brocious, Johnson, and Griggs, and then they also use the Union County Prosecutor's Office. With the approval of the Union County Commissioners, the Union County Prosecutor could be designated and fulfill that requirement mm. under limited home rule. But Robert said he thought even hiring a law director for the township could be cheaper than the amount they end up paying for legal right. consultation right now. They pay a lot for legal counsel right now. Yes, yes. I think this year they've allocated additional money probably three times mm -hmm. for um, their legal counsel. So he had said financially there wasn't really a concern, but the thing that the trustees were met with, at least in public meetings when residents had the opportunity to speak to them in open forums, was they felt, a lot of residents, I'll say, um, expressed that they felt this was pursuing kind of an isolationist path from the county. They saw this as pushback from Union County and saying, we don't 
we don't agree with what Union County is doing and we don't want to work with them, so we're implementing a new form of government. To be fair, several of the trustees said that they really didn't see it that way. They wanted to continue to cooperate with Union County, but as Mike and I both talked about in the most recent kind of catch up after sports podcast there has been tension between the two entities really for decades but and even increasing ramping up over the past yeah just year. bubbling up i think really since february it's been pretty tense between the two so whether or not it was the trustees intention to use limited home rule to separate themselves from union county i can certainly understand how some residents would mm-hmm. perceive it that way um and the trustees were met with some opposition based on that. And I think that certainly panned out in the vote that less than 25% of, or less than 20% of people voted um, in favor of limited home rule. And the trustees had said that this is something that has been in discussion for quite a while now. It's an option for the township. And once the township reaches a population of 15,000 people, they won't even have to put this on the ballot. The trustees can just implement limited home rule by a resolution vote. Um, So it's possible that this could be implemented in the future. And some of the residents who spoke out against it weren't fundamentally or ideologically opposed to this form of government. They just asked the trustees to strengthen their partnerships with surrounding municipalities or other entities before they pursue something that's going to take more responsibility Mm -hmm. onto their plate. So I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I don't think there's been no word that next election we're going to try this again or anything concrete. But I (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if sometime down the line, Jerome Township does say, hey, this was intended for growing townships. Jerome is obviously Mm -hmm. a very quickly growing township and maybe in the future residents feel that it makes more sense. So I don't think this defeats this form of government permanently, but it's pretty clear that right now it wasn't what the residents wanted. And a lot of residents were concerned that this would result in increased taxes. So just to be completely clear, limited home rule townships still cannot impose an income tax on residents. They don't have the power to do that. They have to go to the ballot with levies, just like they do as a statutory township. So so limited home rule wouldn't have allowed the trustees to just approve an income tax without the consent of the residents. Um, I think some residents felt that maybe with more power given to the trustees, they wouldn't like how they were going to see their tax dollars spent. Maybe that was the root of the concern. Um, Uh, Yeah, I've got a bit of that. A bit of, I know there was some conversation online about like the um, uh, details of home rule and exactly what it comes with. And I think it was was a topic that was easy for people to not know the ins and outs. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, I think they kind of, as with a lot of the things we've talked about today, they just kind of lumped it in as, well, if we're going to do anything different, that's going to come with costs, and mm-hmm. that might as well be a new levy that you're asking for, and we don't want that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So let me let me put you on the spot a little bit. I, I never got the vibe from reading things, and, and I don't talk to no a ton of people down in Jerome, but I never got the feeling that they were overwhelmingly – they felt overwhelmingly uh, supported by their county government. Mm. Okay, so in my mind when this first came up, I thought this might be something that that township down there was really in favor of. I guess what I'm getting at, is this a vote, is this vote really, we really trust the county government, we really want you to come back together, or just that 
we don't necessarily tr- trust your ability to carry through with this. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. It, it, mm-hmm. This doesn't feel like it was a vote of support for the county. It was just no. maybe, you know what? I'm not positive you guys can do this. You know, I'm not. I'm not giving you the keys to the car because I'm not sure you can drive it. Right. Yeah. Is is that? And I. And I know you're. It makes you kind of editorialize this, but I'm just asking you kind of the vibe you no, and feel I, being on a podcast. I completely understand what you were saying about residents not necessarily feeling super supported by Union County at all times. In my opinion, I don't think this was a vote of support for the county or really a huge indictment on the trustees. I think it was just out of frustration. They've seen this stalemate over the past nine months, things not necessarily moving forward because there's conflict between these two parties that govern them. So I think maybe a bit of distrust. How is this actually going to help us? Well, there, it does It does keep a check and a balance system in place. You know, the, the trustees are always there to kind of keep an eye on the county and kind of vice versa, I guess. You don't give maybe too much power one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I know we can't, you know, obviously can't say this for certain, but, um, you know, this did come in what the, that kind of released May, that list in May of things that the township was going to do. Um, this was one kind of having some legal back and forth with the um, treasurer's office that, you know, there's like a series of things that they put out in a, in a statement um, kind of before summer. And I think for the residents who were following along with what was going on between the county and the township, I think this do, this did feel – I don't know that this was shopped around before that as like what's the temperature. And so while there may be a general sentiment of um, – you know, we're not. We don't necessarily feel supported by the county. I think it did this coming up as something that the township was considering. Kind of maybe came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Well, before we just put this yeah. on the same year, vote on the same year, maybe mm-hmm. let's introduce this as a topic mm-hmm. for something to do in the future." And I think ultimately there are there are a ton of residents in Jerome Township who are very involved and very educated as to how their government is working locally. But I think there are a lot of residents who also just feel the impact of the growth happening in their community and what is or isn't being done. And I think for some residents, they they may not know and they may not care if this road is being maintained by the county or the township. They just know that right. it's not Somebody, fixed it's and not it's not the way that they want it. Mm-hmm. So I think there may have also been just this kind of anti-establishment mindset of we're not giving any of you guys that are in charge any more power than you already yeah. have. Yeah. And I think that we've seen that throughout the entire country. So it wouldn't surprise me if some of that mentality is playing into this also. I do think you may be right, though, at some point in the future. Both of you are right in that it felt reactionary. When it came out, it felt like it came out of nowhere. And I've covered meetings where they talked about that years and years ago, but it never went anywhere. And I'm sure you covered, but it never went anywhere. And all of a sudden, now not only is it... Now it's on the ballot. (laughs) Yeah, now we're not just talking about it. It's on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And so it felt reactionary. We're mad right now, so we're going to do something right now. And the county may, the residents may step back and say, okay, you guys get along. and, And if this is something that you guys agree that, hey, we should do because it's the right thing, that's one thing, but don't do it because, well, we're just mad right now. And it's also, mm-hmm. I think this was a move that people were really going to have to trust their trustees. Mm-hmm. It was almost, this is a move that you would have wanted longstanding trustees in there that really had the support of the people over, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. As opposed to 
I mean, the, the three trustees that are on there have been on there a relatively short amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't that short amount of time has been marked with a lot of a lot of friction, even within themselves. Sure. So in the last twenty five years, though, there's not been. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. And limited, if it were approved when limited home rules implemented on January 1st, the longest standing trustees would have been on the board for two years. Right. So in my mind, if you're going to have a township that's going to have an undertaking like this, which is going to take on a massively larger weight of activity and just things you're in control of, you're going to want some people who have been on there some for a while mm-hmm. and a group at least in part, that you have the full support of the township and people trust them. And that they've been able together to, in the same direction. That's right. That have been able to get some other projects through. They know, you know, they know how to make to take their issues to the they people. Got that fire truck approved. <laughs> that you know, you could bring that up, but that's kind of an example mm-hmm. of something as as not simple, but you know, I Basic. think in most communities, just buying a fire truck probably just goes through, and it's like, what one do you want? There we go. Financing, you know, it's the biggest issue, it, not... You know, it, it took a lot of back and forth to even get to where they finally got. So you were going to take that group and hand them the keys to the Cadillac, and I guess I can understand mm-hmm. maybe not saying, you know, I don't mind the idea in theory, but I don't know that we're there yet. Right. So you're right. Maybe they get a more... Maybe if things settle down, they get more, you know, a more kind of unified group that people kind of feel a little bit better about and you know maybe down the road in i don't know five or eight years maybe people and the good news want to revisit is, it you know the trustee that was just elected does have some experience correct <laughs> <laughs> nice transition mac thank you um professional yes so um kind of staying in the jerome area in the race for trustee um current trustee megan slow decided not to seek re-election, so she served one four-year term. With her seat vacated, three people ran for trustee. Um, Aaron Craft, Aaron <laughs> <laughs> Joe Craft, um, Aaron Grabovich, and Bill Newmeyer. Always the OSU fan. Yeah. Yes. Well, also Aaron Grabovich right. and Joe Craft, but I digress. So um, regardless, it would have been an quote-unquote newcomer coming to the board but all of them are really involved in the township in one way or another joe craft served two terms so eight years as a trustee and he was voted out in 2021 so it's only been a couple years since he's been on the board um both aaron grabovich and bill newmeyer are on the zoning commission or have been alternates on the zoning commission attend a lot of different meetings are involved as well so even though it was going to be a newcomer it was someone who's familiar with the state of the township right now um but joe craft really campaigned on being against limited home rule i'm sure there were lots of other things that he touted you know his experience as a trustee but i didn't see the other two candidates as strongly position themselves in relation to the limited home rule issue. So I don't know how much that factored into the campaign and or to residents' decision, but I know that um, Joe really spoke out vocally against that, which is interesting because when he was on the board a couple years ago, people were so opposed to some of the things that he well, was he voting on. he didn't just on. decide to not run again. He got voted out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, four. that's a... Was it, was it four? No, it was, no, it was, it was two, two years, years ago. So, mm-hmm. so that's a pretty, pretty big turnaround. Just in two years, that people said, "Yeah, 
I'm gonna. Yeah, I know we voted you out. I had some problems, but uh, maybe things weren't as bad as I thought, or. Well, and I don't know if this plays in at all either. But like in in Joe's case, he's been in the community for a long time. I mean, not necessarily involved for that whole time in terms of government, but obviously with the pharmacy and just kind of being a resident in the area, like a known figure in the area. Um, I don't know if that plays a role, but I think that in in elections like this, uh, when you have these big change things, you look to somebody who's been who you recognize um, doesn't hurt. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think. It was really tough to say who was going to come out on top Mm -hmm. in this election. I really had no inclination of who was going to be elected to the seat because, like you said, sure, Joe has name recognition, but I think the other two are pretty invested in the township and involved in different areas as well. Um, And all of them seem to genuinely care about the direction that the township is moving in. So... I'm, I really can't say what motivated voters to choose one candidate over another. It feels like the selection of Joe Kraft, along with the the home rule vote, it was more of a, all right, we'll take the devil we know versus the devil we don't know. We don't we don't love either either option here. We don't trust the county, but we also let's choose the devil we know. We know Joe, and we know not home rule. Well, so, he also hooked his wagon to the home rule thing, mm-hmm. which is one part. The other part is. There were two other new names on there. Had there been one, had it been a former trustee versus one name, mm-hmm. that one name might have, you know, there are people that just go in the, to the poll and grab a name. Right, right. Something they know, and oh, he, was, he used to be a trustee. Right. You know, if Did Joe it, get 50% of the vote? Joe got 43% of okay. the vote. Okay. But you know, but Aaron had thirty-seven percent of the vote, mm. so it wasn't super far behind right. the second-place candidate. So I do think there was name recognition among the candidates, and with limited home rule, I've seen residents voice their opinion one way or the, the other. With the candidates, I couldn't really say you know why they but elected the, each one. But in the third, that the person who got the the least, mm-hmm. some of those people were probably people that voted to vote Kraft out. Right. So mm-hmm. if they're able to pull those people, well, and as we've always said, like, over. the the tricky thing in talking about Jerome, we've talked about a number of times, is like you know we talked in your uh, or in Max part about Marysville, like what's old Marysville, what's new Jerome, old Jerome, mm-hmm. new Marysville, old Marysville, yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, in this case, Jerome is like you know old, old, new, old, and new, new. You know, the, right? It's fractured even even more, I think. You know, given Jerome Village and the kind of mm-hmm. kind of Dublin spillover, and then you have kind of the old rural Jerome, and then New the California, California and, Jerome. yeah, yeah. You know, so there there are. It's hard to gauge what the temperature is when there are ostensibly three different temperatures. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I'll be curious to see, you know, how everything moves. It's going to be interesting. Some of the the voting blocks are definitely going to be yeah. And like you um, briefly mentioned with Aaron Carpenter, maybe feeling a little bit of frustration that one voice on Marysville City Council can't make a huge, huge difference without some allies or some experience and time on the board. But in Jerome, one voice makes a Mm -hmm. huge difference. So I think you can really feel an election of someone new. Yeah, I think the shift is huge in in, in Jerome, so. Hmm. Uh, what do we have next? You guys want to talk about the Fairbanks levy sure. quickly? I suppose we'll have to breeze through some of these other ones. Yeah, and, you know, Fairbanks is something we've, we've talked about before. Um, the big surprise this time, they had two measures on the ballot, um, one renewal levy that they uh, – 
were going to make continuing, and that passed. And then they had a uh, new levy, which was uh, another quarter percent. Um, and then there was uh, an additional 1.85 uh, mill property tax. Um, and the this second combo um, was put on there as essentially a way to help fund uh, the new construction that's going on. They have a uh, master facility plan that they are they have been working on for the last two or three years. Um, they are going to uh, add an addition to um, the current elementary school. That's one phase, and then the second phase is to um, basically renovate and add new things onto the current middle and high school building. Um, that's the one that got, uh, voted down. And I think for the board of education, for, um, kind of their administration, I think it was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, they kind of, I mentioned, I think last week and I mentioned before that they, it seems going into this election that they had kind of growth on their side. Everybody sees it happening. And How so, close was it? Uh, so they had um, – so it depends on – you know, obviously uh, Fairbanks bills into Madison County. Um, so depending on what you look at, it was either a 46-54 or 47-53 uh, split. But in Madison County, it was 70-30 mm. um, against it. So it – I think it was, you know, within a few percentage points, but – People kind of shut it down. And from what I understand um, in looking at the stuff and, and talking with the school, uh, I think the the vote against it came more from the eastern part of the county, from Jerome and kind of that area. Um, some of the, you know, kind of center of the district, um, kind of old Fairbanks school district um, voted in favor of it. Um, so I, if growth is as big of a factor as it seems to be, maybe you know the growth doesn't see itself as growth, whereas you know people have been here a long time. Or see it, does, it, it doesn't. It doesn't identify itself as Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. When you when you live over because Fairbanks, we've talked about this before, is such a ridiculously drawn district, it's huge, <laughs> shaped, and it's shaped like a big C. It just kind of wraps around Marysville right. and corners over in there around Jer- uh, Jerome with uh, Jonathan Alder. My guess is. A lot of people over there, maybe if they moved in there don't and don't have, have kids, kids right. they had no idea right. they were in Fairbanks School District because geographically right. it makes no sense. It shouldn't be. Right. And you'll never get that vote. Yeah. You'll never get – why am I going to improve facilities that are you know, right. 15 miles – feel like right. they're 15 miles away from me? Yeah. And that's, they, that's a rough sell. They have um, – you know, so with, with that going down, um, they had a special meeting um, – this week, they have the regular Board of Education. Uh, next week, uh, both are uh, have addressed and will address this topic and kind of what the board wants to do. Um, in their special meeting, a story I'm working on right now uh, for this week's paper is they w- will probably go on again next year. Um, they just see this as a – they've actually already broken ground on the elementary school part of it. Now they didn't need this money for the, the one that failed for that purpose. But uh, they're kind of you know they're kind of in like motion at this point. I didn't like that move, by the way. We talked about Marysville having road construction with that referendum. I wasn't wild about that move of breaking ground. Breaking, even if you had the money already, mm. it feels like you're putting the cart before the horse. Yep. And – did they feel this coming, or did they think they had it? They th- I think they thought they had it. Yeah, that's kind of the feeling I got too. That's a that's a weird situation to be in, right? When well, then, then you don't necessarily know where that punch just came from. Yeah, and I don't know if if it's a combination of like, I don't know if maybe they just didn't like the people that they talked to. You know, because as always the case when we know this in the newspaper, but when stuff like this goes on, you know, it's hard to tell whether 
the temperature is what the area feels right. or what the people you're talking to right. feels. And if you're not talking to enough people, uh, I think overwhelmingly the people they talked to were like, we totally get it. Um, at this special meeting on Monday, uh, the superintendent, Adam Sherg, talked about how there are some 600 new housing units going in just in Jerome, you know, over the next mm -hmm. year or so. Um, and, you know, obviously that doesn't count the spillover in the other parts of the county that the district covers. And so I think for them, it's like, well, this should be a slam dunk. I mean, obviously we're hearing that it's good and you can't deny what's coming. Um, but, you know, there also the, there's also the conversation and that I think Fairbanks has heard this a lot. And if you're familiar with the Milford Center area and kind of the western, southwestern part of the county, um, it's not doing the same thing that Plain City and Jerome and Marysville are. I mean, it's not growing in the way – it's growing, but not in the way that you're seeing there. So I think even the the optics of it are kind of like, yeah, growth may be happening, but it's not really hitting us yet. So we could probably put this off. But I think for the administration, it's not uh, – th that's not the way they see it's it. It's a funny way all three of these issues rolled out, whereas Marysville, it's very obvious what devil they were fighting. Mm -hmm. Jerome – I don't want to say it like that, but there's two devils. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and you know, people essentially made a choice. And then down in, in Fairbanks, they don't necessarily even know where where that opposition came from. That's Well, as a, and as a former student in the district, uh, you know, I can testify to the, the Fairbanks community is, while supportive of the district, has not always loved the idea of uh, new money. In, no, uh, not at know, all. They, 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 are, they are a very much make-do yeah, as a as a student who uh, ate out of vending machines for a large portion of my <laughs> high school career, I know very well that. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the it, their mascot should be the "It was good enough for me" bear, <laughs> because uh, that's that is very much the way they feel. Fine. Um, you want to keep on rolling into Richwood because you sure. covered them yeah, also. Yeah. That you know this this is one of those ones where we wouldn't have been talking about it, except for the fact that. They had a failure. Yeah. So uh, much like Fairbanks, they had two things on there. Um, although in in uh, Richwood, the village of village of Richwood. Okay. Yep. Um, they had uh, two measures on. Uh, one passed. One did not. The one that passed was a three mil uh, parks levy, which. You know, as we've talked about on here, written about in the paper, you know, that park is kind of the crown. The number jewel. one park, I believe I voted. Yeah. <laughs> I levied for that to be the number one park in exactly. the county. It, it is so much their identity, so much the the center of, of the village. Um, and so I think that was pretty straightforward that that would pass uh, without without any question. Um, on the other hand, the, the other uh, levy was a 3.2 mil uh, operating levy. Uh, and those votes were th uh, 305 no and 281 uh, yes. But both were renewals, right? Correct. Which means people had already at one point voted right. this tax on themselves. This time through, they decided, yeah, we're not we're not going yeah, we'll to give it to you. We'll give it to the parks, but we're not going to give it to the to the village itself. Um, and you know, I, I talked to Mayor Scott Drew and asked him kind of, you know, they had a council meeting also this past uh, Monday, and you know, they talked about it a little bit, and uh, they're not. You know, they're not – he had kind of mentioned that he – you know, this is frustrating. Obviously, it's disheartening to to not have this go through. But at the same time, he said he 100 percent gets it. Um, you know, you see what's going on in the county. It's it's easy to understand that people feel taxed to death. They feel like there's there's just too much. And so, you know, I asked him kind of what, what the plan was and he said, well, I think – you know, obviously, we're going to have to try to figure out a way to to get this back in motion. But I think for the time being, we're going to have to try to center our belts and maybe not, you know, operate exactly the way we've been operating. But this is one hundred percent why, like Fairbanks had it, try to switch something over to a continuing levy. Yeah, is because 
were, were both of those levees the same term? In, in saying that, I mean, do they both come together every time? Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. So the one I'm, is five years. The parks levy is five years. Um, I don't know if that if the other one is the same. So it could be that one of those things where they just all of a sudden lined up together and people chose parks over right. operating. Different time. And, and the problem with operating, losing operating money that you're already getting is that's those are jobs. That's salary money. Right. You know, like that's how you help pay your police force. Sure. Yeah. And now it's just gone. Yep. You know, because it wasn't a continuing issue, it was something. Let's just be real clear: renewal levies, even in tough economies, don't fail that often. Right. You don't often lose renewal levies because people already voted for it's it. Not it's, in a community that's stable. If there's been some sort of a controversy or something has happened, you say, "Okay, well, you understand why." But in a community that's yeah, and I don't really. Stable, I mean, other than maybe. Again, other than kind of you know, we always talk about the the kind of division line between the northern part of the county and the southern part of the county, and um, you know they talk about it as well. And I, I don't know if it's just you know they just look south and kind of they look south with wide eyes and you know fear that that's coming this uh, coming their way. Or, I don't or, think their taxes, home prices up there went up as fast no. as. Uh, Most of the other areas of the county, I'm sure they have to be yeah. rolling up because a lot of people, when they look maybe at Marysville, they go, oh, I can't afford that. And they start looking north, and that's going to drive them up some. But I don't think they're streaking like some of the values. I don't think inside the village of Richwood. I mean, I think those houses that they're going up are yeah. well, outside no, I, of Richwood. I think there have been some inside. I mean, they talked about, at, not this week, but at the previous council meeting, one of the stories that I wrote was ha- having to do with that, that they have seen, an, you know, in a small community like that, I think if you see, you know, a, a small handful, that's enough to kind of. If they see that, I think this is like a lot of these things are just kind of reaction to. Well, if that's what's going to be the case here, we don't want any part of it. Let's, you know, let's change it now. So, but man, when that's a baseline, I mean, that community, <laughs> that government up there needs some money. Like I know yeah. they've got a lot of street and utility issues, and sure. now they've just lost a baseline of operational funds, and that's going to be a rough one for them. Right. Um, I want to quickly touch on some any of the kind of candidate races we had. Uh, we had a lot of people on in Plain City and JA, right, if you guys? Yeah, both of those had a lot of candidates running. Um, as far as Plain City Council, um, current council member John Rucker chose not to seek re-election, so there's going to be one vacant seat to fill. And then council member Jamie Sintz, who was – on a shortened two-year term because of the charter to kind of mm. make sure those three seats are always staggered. He was seeking re-election, and then Council Member Frank Reed on a normal four-year term sought re-election. So Jamie was re-elected to his seat, but then Tyler Harriman and Aaron Lewis were elected to the other two seats. So Council Member Frank Reed lost his seat. The other individuals running were... Um, Shane Hoffman and Zach Robbins. And what was really heartening to me, aside from seeing six people run for council, which I thought was great for the village, all of them in their um, comments after being elected mentioned just how great of a campaign they thought it was, that everybody was really supportive for one another in their candidate profiles that all of them submitted to the JT. Each of them mentioned that they thought current council was really on the right track and they were excited for the work that was being done. Maybe there were some other things they wanted to do also, but I think in a world that there's so much tension and so much um, people conflict, running out of anger. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really nice that 
everyone was so supportive of one another. Yeah, I would be at Marysville schools was too. That's I, that was yeah. kind of unusual though. With I think this is a pretty contentious time in this county. Yes. And, Marysville School Board was like that, and, and yours mm-hmm. was like, was... Uh... Jay was not like that, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jay was a lot more contentious. <laughs> yeah, I would see at council meetings regularly, the candidates would sit together and talk about, like, oh, do you have any tips for strategies for putting yard signs out, things, and just sharing with <laughs> no. one another. So <laughs> Don't do it. I yeah. think all oh, of them... Huh. Only losers use yard signs. I would yeah. those out. <laughs> and there was a good age range, too, you know, people running that were in their early 20s all the way to more senior residents in the community. I like so that. You I need think, that. I mean, yep. yeah. a lot of times, I think we talked about for a long time, Marysville City Council was kind of old and stodgy a little bit, and mm-hmm. they had some younger guys run, and now, you know, you're starting to see that in a lot of Marysville school boards starting to see it, and yeah. your other boards are starting so, to see it. That's a good thing. Yeah, I was, I was really encouraged by Plain City, and I think anyone who got elected was you know, very motivated and likely going to do a good job on council. So I'll be excited to see the makeup of the board in January and how that all comes together. Uh, I should say, I don't know that there was necessarily back and forth between the candidates themselves, um, but there were certainly... Uh, you mean uh, for J.A.? For J.A., yeah. yeah. There there were um, definitely some, some arguing, some social media back and forths. Uh, so J.A. had three seats open. Um, Bill McCartney, who's the current board president, Steve Otal, uh, who has been on the board for 20 years, um, his seat was open. And then Christine Blacka, who uh, decided not to run. Um, those three seats were up. Uh, Bill and Steve ran. Both won, um, got their um, seats back. Um, and then of the other uh, newcomer candidates, um, Bruce Hooley uh, was elected in the third seat. Um and kind of similarly, you know, a little bit of variation in in ages, although not a lot. A lot of a lot of parents. Um, I think this election had a lot to do with um, kind of the direction of the school district. Again, growth. You know, you say that all the time, but the the direction of the district is going in, recognizing that it's getting big, and that you know it's it's maybe changing. Um, Bruce Hooley, who who I think ran into some criticisms online from. Uh, you know, from residents or, or whomever, you know, kind of criticizing maybe some stuff he's said about the public school system over the years. Uh, a lot of his kind of platform was being careful not to let Jonathan Alder turn into, uh, he cited the old Tangy school district a few times, but um, the kind of other school districts in, in different cities that have seen this growth just kind of in his mind get out of control. And he ran as a way to maybe help, you know, be part of the, the guidance of Jonathan Alder not going in that direction. Um, so, you know, last year we, you know, I reported on the the near teacher strike. I think the, um, you know, kind of what's going on in the district financially as far as that goes uh, is a big topic of contention. I think, I think there's just a general, you know, we've talked about um, on this podcast and in the paper about just kind of where – school districts are, school boards are, and the attitude toward public education. And um, I think that's on on people's mind. A lot of the candidate profiles had those kinds of things as well, where they were kind of hitting those points hard of what we're teaching in schools and not teaching in schools and all that sort of thing. I'm telling you, anybody that wants to take a, you know, he can say he wants to help keep Alder from being all in tangy, but when it comes to slowing that growth down, you know what Marysville's finding is the school district. That's a, a difficult <laughs> yeah. position to take. Doesn't have a foot on the brake of that one, right? Yeah, and they. I, I think it was uh, Steve Votal mentioned that, you know, as somebody who's been in the in the the 
community for a while and on the board for a while, um, they, he kind of mentioned that the relationship with the village has always been good, but like lately, because they're all kind of dealing with the same types of things, their relationship's getting stronger and more communicative and things like that. So maybe in, in that regard, they feel like they're working together instead of at the same time. Uh, Marysville, I don't want to call it a boring race, uh, school board, but you know they had three candidates going for two uh, two seats. Uh, Jermaine Ferguson was on there. He was appointed to fill a seat a couple of years ago. Was running to retain it. Um, Sue Devine, the board president, decided she wasn't going to run again. So there was going to be somebody new coming onto the board. The two people up for those for that seat for I guess either seat. Uh, the other two guys were Matt Keller and Colin Smithy. Um, Keller has some education experience. Uh, Smithy's a young guy. I think I'm pretty sure he's under 30s in his 20s. Um, you know, he's going to be growing a family here. Uh, Keller has has kids, so all three of the candidates were young young guys. So uh, youngish, I will say. Maybe um, Jermaine Ferguson got the most votes, uh, 5600, and Keller got the other seat, coming in with 5300 votes. Smithy had uh, 4,400, which is a lot. So, you know, I think they were all kind of actively campaigning. I think Keller got in a little late. They, uh, you know, Jermaine kind of had his name already out there from being on, uh, positions with Marysville. He was on some, uh, planning, planning commission and, and with the school board itself. So, and very much was what I was going to say is what you said after this, they were all thanking each other kind of on social media and, and, uh, I saw Smithy and Jermaine kind of, I think they had a picture together talking about that they appreciated that it was more of a, hey, one of us is, we'll get elected. We've just got to do the job right. And it was nice that they mm-hmm. campaigned like that. And, you know, here again, Marysville schools are in for some rough waves coming ahead. So it's good that they've at least got people kind of with a positive mindset, you know, mm-hmm. um, on there because I think they kind of know whoever got elected was going to have to do a lot of work over the next, uh, next four years. So, uh, anything else anybody thinks, uh, can think of, it was just kind of a, I think it was a, it was a, it was a stop button election in my mind. Mm-hmm. Just right. everybody or, you know, maybe not stop button, but the brakes were definitely pumped right. in this election. And, you know, I don't know that you can ever stop. You can't stop the growth that's coming here, but, I think what the voters said is somebody better figure out a way to at least put a governor on it, cap it, you know, get it something manageable that we can figure out how to write it and, you know, not feel like we're just getting steamrolled. Mm-hmm. Right. So at least work against the perception. Of the, yes. The, 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 the trustees or government entity that figures out how to, you know, tame that horse is going to be the one that maybe where guys can get reelected. Maybe they can get some tax issues through or, you know, legislative issues through if they need them. All right. Well, that's going to be the show for this week. Thank you guys for all the good information and thanks to everyone out there for listening. Of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Axion Energia, for sponsoring the podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure and follow the show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and lots of other places where podcasts are available. So be sure to tune into the show next week and we'll see you on Thursday.